0: This podcast is brought to you by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. If you're interested in creating or expanding your podcast, find out more at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Join Ambiguous Podcast Solutions to bring your podcast to life. Welcome to Talking Toastmasters with Angela and Talking Toastmasters is a podcast all about Toastmasters members and how Toastmasters impacts their lives. You can find the Talking Toastmasters podcast at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This show is hosted and produced by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. Welcome to Talking Toastmasters with Angela and us. Joining me today is Stacy Shipman, who started the Hanover Mass Toastmasters Club. She's owner of Engage the Room and is part of District 31. Welcome, Stacey Shipman. Thanks, Angela. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's start at the beginning. Tell us how you came to Toastmasters and about how the beginning of your journey
1: I came to Toastmasters in around, was around 2005, I think and uh, it was really because, uh, well, A, my husband, it was always on his bucket list. I knew about it a little bit, but I always imagined it being, a, <laughs> so funny, a room full of older men wearing suits and smoking cigars. I have no idea why I thought that, but that's what I thought it was. Um, but he, my husband was interested in it, and I was starting to think about leaving a corporate job to start a business and knew that I was going to have to Sharpen my public speaking skills and networking and all of the interactions that I've had to have since I left that job that I didn't have to have in the job. So that was really what brought me there in 2005.
0: Fantastic. So one thing I wanted to kind of jump into, because I don't know if it's the first club you were in. So one of the things I know about you is that you started a club. Mm hmm. So did that come out of you guys being in the club and then deciding to start one? Or did you and your husband just decide to start one?
1: No, we were in uh, Quincy first. So that's where we started our Toastmasters journey. And then after, well, maybe a year or two, Michael, my husband, Michael, got a new job in Hanover. And that office space had a fantastic training room. Um, And there were no clubs between like Weymouth and Kingston. So we saw it as a good opportunity to split, you know, uh, be in the middle of the South shore of Massachusetts. So that's what prompted us to start the Hanover club was he had this great training space available at his company. Um, So we launched Hanover and that took, (laughs) we didn't do it right because we didn't tap into we didn't know that there were people in the district that could help you. We like we didn't know about the structure of Toastmasters because we were still relatively new. So we just jumped in, applied online for the starter kit and all that good stuff. And then slowly, 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 it took us two years to charter. And over eventually, people from the district were like, what are you guys doing? Are you going to charter? <laughs> so it took us a while and we did not follow the rules, uh, but we got there and it's been a It's been an awesome club ever since. Fantastic. So
0: can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to start a
1: club since
0: most people probably have never been part of starting a club? So,
1: I mean, you have to have the idea. You have to believe in the idea because it is work, you know, to start the club. I mean, there's information on the Toastmasters websites. I mean, these are all lessons I've learned because we did it wrong. So it's it's go reach out to your district officers because they're very knowledgeable and have a lot of information that they can share with you. And then, you know, we did not launch with a list of people to reach out to. We just like, we hung a shingle and said, we're here. And that's not how it works. So I would also recommend have a list of people, whether it's people you work with, or, you know, if you own the business that you network with or in the community that you can tell and promote that you are starting this club uh, before you actually launch it, because I, I think that will make things a lot easier and have a longer list than you need. You need 20 people to charter the club. So I would say have a list of 100 people. And I know it sounds really big, but if you think about sales, people will say no. So you want to have a bigger list than you need. Have the list, be patient, and, and know that you are the one at first running the show because you're the one launching it. The other people coming in, unless they're already Toastmasters, have no idea what's going on. So I'll make sure that you're knowledgeable enough, first of all, and second of all, that you're friendly. You know, when new people come in, greet them, share a little bit about what's going to happen without overwhelming them. Mm -hmm. See that a lot, like information overload to the new people. Um, But I think one, be knowledgeable and two, make it, the most welcoming environment that you possibly can so that people want to come back and be patient. I don't remember if I said that already.
0: No, but patience is a virtue. So yeah, that's
1: (laughs) (laughs) be patient. It might take, especially depending on where you are, it could take some time. Well, that's fantastic. So Why don't you tell us a little bit about
0: some of your accomplishments personally in Toastmasters, because I know you've got a lot of district leadership. So let's talk about you first and then we'll go into some leadership stuff.
1: Sure. Uh, So I have served at all levels. I've been club officer, district officer Area and division officers. So I've held a lot of roles. I did go to Club Growth, which is a district office, and then I decided not to continue in what is known as the trio, simply because of time and growing my business, and it just was not the right time for me to continue. Um, But it was, it was a really good experience. I got to meet so many people, Um, and I know I'm sitting here saying the time, the time, but when I was in area. no, what is it called now? Not area.
0: Area director.
1: Area director. Thank you. Area director and division director. Um, It was such a great way to expand uh, my, you know, networking and meeting people, but just to see how other clubs are run. That's why I like the area director role. You Mm -hmm. get to visit all these clubs, see how they're run. You learn things, new ways that you could do do things in your own club. So that part was awesome. I, I do recommend at least going to that level to people. Mm-hmm. The other, um, and it, it really was a, po- a super positive experience. I loved all the people that I was working with, the uh, uh, other directors, and we had a really, really good time. <laughs> Um, so I, I do recommend it to people if you have the time to, to put into it. And then I'm also a DTM. I did earn my DTM before everything shifted to Pathways. So those are my accomplishments. Yeah,
0: Fantastic. Thank you for going through some of that. So one of my favorite questions to ask my guests is what is your favorite role in Toastmasters? And since you've held many, including leadership, <laughs> it's going to be quite interesting. <laughs> so so you mean leadership or like meeting role? Any role. anything. Any role whatsoever in Toastmasters. So like I said, there's a lot for you to choose from there.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, it's, you know, you asked me this today, but at, at my last meeting, um, it was a why did I talk about this? Anyway, my favorite role is Toastmaster. Really? Why is and that? I, so I love running a meeting. and I but yeah. what I shared with <laughs> what I shared with my club recently, though, I think it was in a table topic. When I first joined Toastmasters, I did not know that about myself. I, you know, like many people who joined Toastmasters had an intense fear of public speaking, you know shaky hands, heart racing, the whole thing. Uh, I had never run meetings before. But when I first took that role, I loved it. I loved it. And I loved being able to keep things on track. I loved making connections, you know, in between the speeches or even the table topics. When people were uh, taking bits of their speeches and presentations and tying it together and just, I absolutely positively loved that role. And it, it led me to, you know, in other leadership roles I had, both in the community and in business, really gravitate to hosting and facilitation. And um, yeah, that is my all time favorite. And I know a lot of people shy away from it, but there is a script. You do not have to prepare a formal speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do need strong listening skills and you need to be able to keep things moving. It's my favorite. So I recommend it to everybody. That's an awesome role. And if you don't like speaking, you know, you don't like giving a prepared speech. This is a lot of people have struggle with public speaking. You know, it's nerve wracking to be in front of people, but it's also nerve wracking to share your own thoughts and ideas and stories. Right. It's very vulnerable. So if you want that time at the podium, if you will, or on Zoom now, that is a great role to get you used to being in front of people without having to share a lot of your own thoughts and ideas. You're really making connections and moving things along based on what you hear in that moment. And for a lot of people, that can be a great way to ease in to sharing your own thoughts and ideas, because before you know it, when you're making those connections, if you are doing it that way, you know, when you hear people speak and kind of making that informational connection, you start to share your own thoughts about it and it's a great way to ease into that before diving into more formal speeches and presentations i love that explanation
0: i never looked at it that way thank you <laughs> you just opened my eyes in every single interview i do for my podcast i learn something either well usually i learn something about the person and i learn something new about toastmasters so this ought to be interesting i'm going to be lying a lot Okay. Well, why else do this? That's what they're all about. Podcasts exactly. are awesome. Exactly. So now that we know your favorite role, <laughs> what is your most challenging role?
1: Timer. Oh, because I get so, in, <laughs> I'm laughing. I get so involved in the speeches that I forget to start the timer. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> or if, or if I did start the timer, I forget to look back at it you know, to see and like lift up the cards. I'm the worst. And it's because I'm paying attention to the speeches. So
0: I completely (laughs) understand
1: that because over zoom, I've got the backgrounds Mm -hmm.
0: more often than not. They ask me to do the timer because some half the club can't do it that way. So more often than not, they've been asking me to do that. And sometimes I get anxious because I'm like, I'm really enjoying the speech, but I go look at the time and then it, Mm -hmm. I gotta be prepared. I gotta have my finger on to make the change at 59 seconds, you know, at the at those yeah. marks, the second before the marks. So that's the challenging part for me, but mm-hmm. I actually like being timer.
1: all good. So when I'm at your club and I don't wanna do it, no, I don't <laughs> <put> it <wrong>. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> or, <laughs> or vice versa. versa. <laughs> Anytime, Stacey.
0: Okay. Anytime. Okay. So you are not doing Toastmasters. What do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. And I know a little bit about you, but share with the listeners a little bit about you.
1: Where to start? So, like hobbies, family, family, family hobbies. Yeah. So, so I, I have a husband, Michael. He's also a toastmaster in Hanover, which I already mentioned. I think in the beginning, we're cat parents. So we have two cats. We have an elderly cat named Habibi, and he's seventeen. And we have a uh, middle-aged female named Luli. She's nine. Um, and, uh, for hobbies, um, I take singing lessons, stand-up comedy classes, everything's online right now through the pandemic. Uh, those are my creative pursuits outside of work. Um, and then we do a lot of outdoor hiking, biking, um, uh, if there's snow on the ground, cross country skiing. So we're big outdoor people. And uh, we have a sailboat. So in the summer where you can find us on the water, doing day trips, I'm not like an overnight sailor kind of person.
0: (laughs) That's exciting. Do you ever go out with
1: the McGee's because I know they have a boat. They do have a boat and we actually have a boat in the same arena oh i uh, know uh, so we often see them on the docks. so we actually have a small sailboat they have a motor boat so we're on a mooring and they're on the docks so we often pass but i have been on their boat in the past and um but they have not yet been on ours because i think i don't know why I've, i invite them <laughs> but i see them there because we are at the same arena well that's cool i didn't realize you are at the same arena. i didn't even know you like sailing <laughs> This is cool. Well, okay, hold on. I think you might have gone too far. No, it was my husband. So my husband bought the boat. (laughs) I love being on the water. No, the truth is when he bought the sailboat, I was like, You're buying a sailboat? Why are you buying a sailboat? Because I I like the idea of a motorboat. It's fast, you get somewhere, you can, you know, um put your anchor in, go swimming. It's kind of a beachy vibe, right? Without being on the beach. Sailing is a lot of work, and I was like, "Well, what are we going to do? How do we swim off a off a sailboat?" And he, was my husband, was like, "Swim? Wait, that's not what sailboats are for." It's like, then why are we getting it? So I had to, um, I had to learn how to enjoy sailing. And now, actually, it is a lot of work sailing because you you have to manage the wind and all of that. But it's so peaceful because once you are under sail, you don't have a motor on anymore is really really peaceful Um, and we have been able to swim off the boat so it's been great you got your swimming in yes (laughs) but I wouldn't call myself a sailor
0: okay (laughs) I didn't know you enjoyed being on the water I love the water okay (laughs) there we go see I'm glad you corrected me (laughs) one thing I definitely want to make sure we talk about is I know you have several things that you're into but Um, I'm on about episode 34
1: of your podcast. Mm -hmm. You want to talk a little bit about your podcast and how it came to be? How it came to be. Yeah. Uh, so it started in 2019 and it started when I, I rebranded my business and I thought it would, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what I thought. I just knew it was something I wanted to do, uh, because I, I love talking to people. I love to hear their story, uh, learn, you know, as you said, I love to learn from people. You know, I believe we all have a story, we all have lessons, insights, wisdom based on our um, individual experiences, which when shared in a forum like this becomes a shared experience. And that's what really creates connection. And so for me, you know, my work is all about relationship building and how do you create meaningful connections with people. So the podcast was for me one way to do that personally. But I also wanted people listening to feel connected and to reach out to the guest and to make a connection as well. So that was really the start of it. And then this past summer, uh, August 2020, I did some rebranding and re I renamed it. Um, so now it's called Shed the Formality. And it's still the same interview format, talking to people, hearing their stories. But what I've come to realize about myself is that my, my life's work really has been about challenging the status quo, shedding what I call formalities or these beliefs and behaviors that can hold us back from speaking, networking, putting ourselves out there, putting our ideas out there, having human interaction, um, and really trying to break that down for people so that we can feel more connected. Um, But when we have all these walls up or beliefs about how we're supposed to act or what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to speak, then we're not able to really do that. We're not ourselves. We're not, we don't feel natural. And so we're not able to make a connection with people. And that's really the message I'm trying to send. Break it down, like shed them, get rid of them. If they don't work for you, um,
0: get rid of them. That's awesome. I love the new the name the new rebranding shed the formality how can Mm -hmm. people find your podcast
1: they can find it at shed the formality.com and it's also on stitcher spotify and apple podcasts if you search shed the formality awesome so i know one thing you love
0: to talk about that's passion one of your passions (laughs) is networking and self-promotion which you just talked about a little bit on your podcast so let's talk about that let Hmm. Educate us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about it. Give us some tips, or tip me. Like give tall, me tips. Tall order. Okay. No, <laughs> okay. um,
1: yeah, I love it. You know what I learned about myself when I quit my job? The first piece of advice I heard. You know, I quit my job to start a business, and the first piece of advice I heard was actually from my husband, who had been self-employed in the past, and he said, "If you want to build a business, you need to network." And I have never had to do that. Never. Because I worked, you know, in market research, there was no networking. I barely even talked to anybody, you know, when I was (laughs) in corporate, right? Um, So so I was like, all right, you know, I was totally naive. I Googled it. I'm like, what does this mean? Networking, South Shore, Massachusetts. I found some events and I went. Uh, and I almost had a panic attack at the first one because I was so nervous going in and all the thoughts. Well, they like me. Well, they think I'm my business is silly. I mean, just all this stuff going through my head. Right. And uh, but I went in, the people were so nice and I fell in love with it. I wasn't good at it, but I fell in love with it. And everything I've done really since then has been to. Become better at not just speaking, but putting myself out there, you know, reaching out to people, saying hello, sharing what's important to me. Of course, sell, you know, you own a business you need to sell and that's obviously part of self promotion. Um, But it became so much more than that for me. And it really became creating these environments where people can make those connections became my purpose. I really at, at the core of who I am, that is I believe what I've been put here to do is to create these settings, whether it's a podcast or an event or facilitated group experience in some way to create these settings for people to connect. And um, I trace it back to my childhood. That's how I grew up. Huge, you know, big family together all the time. And then yeah. it fell apart and it was like, ah, and now I feel like I've kind of come back to that. And that's, um, that's who I am. So it gives me purpose. And um, I feel like I belong in that space. So that's the backstory tips. What do you want to know, Angela? Hmm. What do I want to know? It's what, the, what, what do you I'm think listening. your listeners would want to know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not you know. I will say networking isn't only for business building. Right. Um, Let's talk about that. So a very that. recent example, I was actually on, I was on TV today. So I, <laughs> I was on, a short segment on um, WBC, CBS, local, whatever, TV station, <laughs> sorry, I don't know what the channel number is, but with CBS, local news, and they did a segment on World's End in Hingham, Massachusetts, one of the parks here, and I happen to know, through networking, the woman who is uh, director of South Shore Properties for trustees and reservations, and they own World's End and a bunch of other properties. So when when she knew they were doing this segment, they were looking for a frequent user of the park. And I happened to be a frequent user of the park. So uh, she reached out to me and she said, hey, would you want to be part of this? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, But we met through networking uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. A mutual contact suggested she reach out to me for networking and we hit it off right away. And we stayed in touch. We went for walks. We did Zoom calls. And so when this opportunity came up uh, she thought of me because she knew i loved it there and would represent it the way she wanted it represented so that's what i mean but that was not a business building activity it was super fun though (laughs) and i got to share something that's meaningful to me and important to me um so it's you know it's not only for business building it's you know networking and relationship building whether You know, if you work with a team, you need to be able to talk to your boss and you need to be able to have conversations with the other people you work with. That's, quote unquote, networking or relationship building Um, in a pandemic when we're all working at home and spend a lot of time alone uh, online. Live online networking, I don't mean just commenting, you know, on Facebook or LinkedIn, but actually joining a live meeting, which I know you do a lot of, Angela. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, It keeps us from feeling lonely, which can Mm -hmm. contribute to, you know, sadness and depression and, um, you know, there's a lot of emotional mental health concerns with being lonely and alone in a pandemic, and I'm not gonna go down that road because it's not my expertise, but I do know that when we are in community sharing an experience, which is why I think Toastmasters is so successful, we typically come for similar reasons and it's a shared experience that we all have. And that's why it works. Um, we feel us alone, we, we feel more empowered, we learn from one another. Uh, networking is not just about making more money and getting clients. It's, it's like living a better life, having a richer life because you've met all these wonderful people who have shared themselves with you and you with them.
0: I love that. That's fantastic. And you mentioned something about having conversations with your team and your boss, especially if you mm-hmm. work on a team mm-hmm. and how that's part of networking and relationship mm-hmm. building, but it's also communication, mm-hmm. which is one of the, Core basics of Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. Communication and leadership are the two main focuses in Toastmasters. Mm -hmm. So, is there another time, like maybe when you were climbing the Toastmasters leadership ladder, for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. um, where networking came into play or relationship building? How did you. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing. (laughs) Her eyes
1: (laughs) actually popped out of her head when I asked her that. Yeah. What I learned, I learned a ton about leadership in Toastmasters um, by doing leadership, right? (laughs) By taking on the roles. And so that experience combined with experiences outside of Toastmasters, we get work done through relationship. Sure, we have to take action, but if you're leading a team of people and you want them to do something, You need to have a relationship with them. They need to trust you. They need to believe you have their best interests in mind. They have to feel connected to the purpose or the vision or the why behind the action you're asking people to take. Um, So when I'm mentoring other Toastmasters and then in my business as well, one of the first questions I ask people who are struggling with that is, what's the relationship you have with these people? And more often than not, I hear, I don't really have one. And I said, that's your problem. So you need to figure out how to build that relationship. And it's not, and it takes time. So what, what Toastmasters did for me, um, you know, I've always been willing to do the work. Let me start there. Always willing to do the work when it mattered to me, and so when I, you know, want something, whether it's, you know, back when I was running marathons, I ran the miles. When I wanted a master's degree, I took the classes. When I, um, you know, started a business, I took, you know, went to conferences, joined Toastmasters, I did the work, and every time I took a new leadership role, it exposed me. To more people and more opportunity. Um, so it was the relationships that I built when I spoke at conferences, or uh, volunteered, or you know was a leader and motivating people that a got me curious about how do I do this? How do you motivate other people and get them? So I did a lot of outside reading, you know, about and and questioning other people. Um, and then, they, and then, applying what I learned in all of these different environments that I was in—networking groups, Toastmasters, business—you name it—I was, I was like, how does, how do you do this? What does it really take to get people on the same page? And it all came down to the relationship, the trust, the relationship, um, and that takes—you know—you have to show up, you have to have a clear message. And you have to stay in touch with people Mm and because that's how they know you care. And so that means you go out to lunch without any agenda. You reach out and say hello without any any agenda. You check in with people. Hey, how you doing? We're in the middle of a pandemic. I just wanted to make sure you're, you're doing all right. And that, I think, is undervalued and underestimated, is that importance of just staying in touch because you care and not because you're looking for something. And then that came to life for me when I was the club growth director for the district. We needed to motivate people to, you know, we needed more people to get involved. And so I used everything I had learned about storytelling. um, How do you get people to trust you in a very short period of time? Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And so I applied all of those tools when I would speak at, you know, the leadership conferences and, Uh, TLIs and district leadership events. And it worked. You know, the storytelling when done right shows that you care. It's a, you know, it it creates a connection for people when you share your vision for where you're going and how they can get involved uh, and how it benefits them. Mm -hmm. Right. The other part of it is your message. You have to believe it, but it's also about them. So, how do you get them to believe it? So, it's a very, you know, there was a lot that I had to learn and practice and make mistakes at. But it all came down to what is the relationship and how quickly can you build it so that people come up to you and say, "I yes, I want to be part of this. And that's magic and that's powerful.
0: Yeah, that was profound. I wrote a couple of things down as you were talking. I was like, oh, good point, good point. So I was thinking as you were talking that there's more time to build a relationship at the club level than there is outside, like when you move up to area director and division director and all sorts of other acc- accolades. Serving on a committee in the district probably helps a little bit too. Um, so let's talk about um, the stepping stones of just being going from club member to mm-hmm. being in a club officer position. So mm-hmm. then, transitioning to the district, which the first step outside a district is usually area director, unless you choose to join a committee. Mm-hmm. So, tell me a little bit about your thoughts with that.
1: Uh, you mean how I progressed, or just in general how in general? Like progressed?
0: maybe give people uh, an a little insight into what the journey is like a little bit, maybe what it was like for you, obviously.
1: Um, so I had been a member for. I don't know, five, six, seven years. And I was very happy being a member. I'd never ventured out of the club. You know, I'd never gone to conferences. I never did any of that. And then my husband competed in table topics and got to the district level. So that was, I don't remember what year that was. Oh nine, maybe. Um, And that was my first conference because he was competing. So obviously I went to see him compete. Mm -hmm. They did a really, really good job. That was, uh, Stefano McGee was the district governor at the time. um, And it was in Norwood. And I, you know, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I went to the educational sessions. They did a really nice job there at the Sheridan in Norwood. But what really got me to the next level, and this goes back to what we were saying um and for anybody listening you know if you're in district 31 you know Stephen o. mcgee so was his energy on the stage um at one point i don't know if he was closing up the day or just in between things but he got up there and honestly angela i don't know what he said i don't remember what he said but his energy was so i was like ah oh, yeah i'm totally i'm bored with this guy Like, I knew who Stefano was. Jennifer had been my area director when I was president at the Quincy Club. So I knew who he was, but I didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with him. Uh, But his energy and his upbeat kind of motivational style, and he's kind of jumping around with purpose on the stage. I was like, oh, yeah, I could be an area director. Like, this is all, you know. And so it was his energy and his excitement about Toastmasters and the possibilities and the opportunities available that made me curious um, to step in. And then, of course, as district governor, then he was done. So he was <laughs> part of the next part of my journey. But that was really what got me intrigued was his positive, upbeat energy. And that's what leaders need to do. You know, and that's how he created a connection for me to say, I want to learn more about how do I, how do I do this? And then it got me on the track of, okay, I could be a DTM um, and kind of, you know, but but before that I was fine. I was fine in the club and I was like, yeah, what, what do I need all this extra for? And then it became more about learning more and meeting more people. So at the area level, you get to meet tons of people because- uh, as an a club officer, you go to TLI, Toastmasters Leadership Institute, you could meet a, a ton of people. Uh, area governor, area director gets you into other clubs, and then they get to know you. So that's the, the visibility part, the relationship building part. Um, and then, you know, you can stop, some people stop after that, and others get the bug, and they want to keep going. I mean, everybody's journey is different. But it was his energy. It's that energy that I was really attracted to that made me step in. And I think we need more of that. We need more of that uplifting, positive energy to get people excited about whatever it is, whatever you're leading or whatever your vision is, doesn't even have to be Toastmasters. Are you excited about it? Because if you're not, you're never going to get anyone else on board, you know? And if you are, you have to show it, you know, in your voice, and your body language and your, you know, your presentation. So
0: those are all great points about the energy.
1: One thing. And I will add, if I could just add, you know, my podcast we talked about is shedding formalities. And I think there is a quote unquote formality that if you're a leader, you're supposed to be all buttoned up, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a stiffness or a tension and you can't have that kind of energy, but you know, we're all human. We want to have some fun. We want to, we want to feel good. We want to feel emotionally connected. So we need to drop that belief that you have to be all buttoned up. um, Absolutely.
0: I was thinking as you were talking, I was like listening, like, yeah, I'm probably a lot more like Stefano than some of the others who are (laughs) a little more reserved. (laughs) Just the way you were talking, I was like, he was jumping around on the stage with purpose. But I was like, I'd probably be the one jumping around on stage too,
1: so that makes some sense. And when I say jumping, I don't want people to think he was like this out of control, you know. But it was—he was used in the stage. He was moving around. There was there was energy. It was positive, uplifting energy in his presentation that day. And uh, and when I say presentation, I mean physical presentation, words coming out of his mouth, um, and his ability, I think, to draw people in.
0: Well, thank you. That's definitely super helpful and something that I'm going to look back on when I'm looking to move up and say, oh, what can I do? And, oh, Stacy mentioned this in the podcast. Maybe that's something that's that's something that's up my alley. So that's pretty cool to be able to pull that in. And you mentioned speech contests yeah. and I had the fortune of losing to you, quote unquote. <laughs> at the area contest for an international speech contest in 2018. And I say it was a pleasure of quote unquote losing to you because I came in third out of three, which is fine. Yeah. But the guy who came in second came in third the year before, because I was at that contest. And I know you have been super successful with contests and I want you to tell the listeners just how successful you've been, because I said to people, I'm like, I didn't lose. I became better by losing to Stacy. I became so much better because Stacy is such a great and eloquent speaker. And then the guy lost, the second place guy, moved up from last year, which is exactly what you want people to do. You want them to improve, right? So tell us a little bit about your journey um, in speech contests,
1: please. So speech contests are scary. No, I'm just kidding. I (laughs) no, I'm totally kidding. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm totally kidding. Edit that out. No, speech contest, I always tell people this, look, speech contests, every time I did one, it wasn't, my goal was not to get to the district level or to the international stage. That was never my goal. And I, for the record, have never made it to the district stage, so I always get cut off at the division, uh, I've been cut off at the division level, that's the highest I've gone. But to your point, Angela, you just, you just, you said it. Um, The, the speech contest, I know they're online now, but that environment that just meant the mental phrasing, right? Contest just Mm -hmm. automatically, I think, makes us, if we choose to participate, step up our game uh, versus speaking at your club, which is the same people over and over, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get your feedback. You're going to move on. But as soon as we hear this contest, there's that elevated, there's something that happens that makes you elevate yourself. Cause now it's like, Ooh, competition. I could win. I, you know, I want to win. I'm not doing this to lose. Right. So we tend to put our best foot forward. We tend to uh, develop new skills, maybe even reach out for help more than we would before. It's it, Whether you win, lose, come in second, third, make it to international or not, you will not be the same speaker that you were before you entered the contest. Um, And you get to see at each level, I mean, the level of commitment and uh, artistry in some of these speeches, uh, creativity, you learn from watching all of these other people as well. And oh, man, it's it's some of the best experience that I've had in Toastmasters from a speaking perspective um, to really elevate my game. And again, have that curiosity of like, how do I make a speech better? How do I open it? What do I want the theme to be? What? you know, how do I tell the stories in a short period of time? So I do, you know, I was kidding at the beginning. I think they're fantastic. I don't care how long you've been in Toastmasters. I know you have to have at least six speeches under your belt for international, but if you're there, go for it. You've got absolutely nothing to lose um, because in the end, your first contest is in your club with all those same people. So you're familiar with it. Um, It's only going to elevate you. And I absolutely recommend contests to i to everybody well thank you i appreciate you talking about
0: contests because when i think of you i think of that contest <laughs> <laughs> well it's not just that contest. i would like you to have a better memory of me Angela. <laughs> no that's a great memory actually um i think someone and I, was talk- I was talking about that with someone recently i can't remember how or when and i said you know it's exactly what you said it makes you better it elevates you so this has been a lot of fun
1: and that's how you get better right you do things that scare you that are new you got to do the work if you want to see the results absolutely i think we're all a work in prog-
0: progress yeah. and you know i might come in third this time and second next time i might come in third again mm-hmm. but at least i'm participating and putting my myself out there hmm So this is the time when I like to say, to flip the switch and allow you to ask Angela almost anything. (laughs) you can ask me pretty much anything. I'm mostly an open book. There may be something I say, I don't think that's going on but I might still
1: answer it. But for the most part, you do get right? Good answer from me usually. Well, I know that you are an avid networker because that we cross paths that way a lot. Um, so what is your, I've, can I ask a two-part question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do you love about networking and what insight or wisdom would you share with somebody on how to, you know, network effectively, fun, easier, what, however you want to approach it? So what do you love and what insight would you share? Perfect. Thank you for asking me that, Stacey. I love it. As an outgoing extrovert,
0: I'm a people person. No. (laughs) 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 You've known me long enough to know that I'm an extrovert. I just love being around people and I get energy from being around people. Hmm. So pandemic's been a little bit of a challenge, but because my energy is not the same. I'm losing some of that mojo, Mm -hmm. but I do feel that that's really one of the best parts about networking, like meeting new people. I went to the Toastmasters International Convention a couple of years ago, and it was in 2018. I went to Chicago. It was one of the best experiences of my life, (laughs) I met with another girl in our district who was an area director at the time, and we bunked up, but we did almost everything together, which was amazing because I had someone to do something with. So right off. Yeah, but I met all these Toastmasters from around the world. Mm-hmm. I met the district international speech contestant from Australia, I want to say. I don't even remember if it was Australia. I think it was. But it was just amazing that I met so many people. We had a really good contingency from District 31, probably about 15 of us because the McGee's are always there in full force. Mm -hmm. The trio, a couple of others are almost always there. And it's just amazing meeting all the people. On the Mm -hmm. flip side, the advice that I would give to people is something that we both hit upon already. You got to put the energy into it. And my father has always said, give like just give and it'll happen and i don't know if it's him that said this or someone else but give to get Mm -hmm. and it's a two-way street you never know Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm telling people and when i network with them i'm like well this person may give you more referrals than this person but you may be giving that another person more referrals so it's not necessarily a 50 50 give and take. But if you're in a networking group, for instance, a one-seater, as I call them, where one commercial real estate person, one attorney, or one CPA, one type of this attorney, one nail rep, um, it's not always going to be the same people giving to the same people. (laughs) You and I might be a good back and forth, but then there might be someone else. So a residential realtor and a mortgage person are going to be great for each other. Right, but A mortgage person and me doing commercial real estate may not be the greatest for each other, but I know that other people are going to get referrals. So I feel that people really do need to develop that. And I'm still young in my career, my real estate career, but I've also been around the business world since I was young. Young, meaning probably my teens. <laughs> i did a lot with dad as a kid but mm-hmm. i wasn't like in the public eye with him but with work but yeah i i feel people need to develop those relationships and for me everybody i go into almost everything as just i'm meeting someone new and you never know what's going to happen they could become a friend they could become mm-hmm. a referral partner they could mm-hmm. become who knows that's right who right. Knows? You have no idea. And they may know people that you would never think they would know. Never think to dream of. Yeah. I was with a friend today and she's like, her ex-husband couldn't believe that she knew someone like my dad. Like someone so important. <laughs> I was like,
1: <laughs> it's because she knows me. So why wouldn't she <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, you just never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to meet. And the world is small. I know it seems big, but the world is small. So. I oh, would it's say be nice for me.
0: There's be no nice separation. to everybody.
1: Exactly. Be nice to everybody. For me, there's no
0: such thing as six degrees of separation, especially if you're anywhere in Southeastern Massachusetts.
1: No, everybody knows Angela and us. Well, they usually know my dad <laughs> or one of his siblings before they know me. <laughs> I, think, I think that's true for me. I think I knew your dad before I knew you, but that's okay. Well, because he's that's been- It's not true for things. everybody that you know. Not everybody knows your dad. Exactly. But my dad's been doing real estate since before I was alive. Which makes
0: sense. Cause he's that much older than me. I mean, yeah. Dad. Right. Yeah, It's just really kind of cool. Cause people will be like, so I know your dad knows people. I'm like, but I know
1: people too. <laughs> I'm important too. <laughs> I don't have to say that as much anymore, but once in mm-hmm. a while, well, I was going to say that now that you, you've, you've made a name for yourself, you don't, you know, it's probably now it's, Hey, Angela, and us, not dad. Jay Nuss, you know, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Angela, you're making a name. You've been visible. People know you. That's how it works. Awesome. Well,
0: thank you for that question. I love it. I'm so glad you asked it and that um we were able to talk a lot about networking and Toastmasters today and your business. And this has just been wonderful. Thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah. Thank you. But the last thing I'll say about networking, I think the best role, you didn't ask me this, but I'm going to offer it go, anyway. Go for it. <laughs> The best role, if you want to become a better networker um, and meeting people and introducing people and getting comfortable with that, I think the membership, uh, VP of membership at the club level is a perfect role for that because it, it gives you permission. If you um, if you feel awkward reaching out to people or talking to people you don't know, uh, it, that role gives you permission to do that because now you are the VP of membership and it's your job to greet people. And then introduce them to others, um, well, on Zoom or in the club or whatever. But I think that's a great role to build that skill. I'm glad you brought that up because I
0: probably should have tied networking back into that as well within Toastmasters. I know we talked about it, but that is a great point because club officers and the district leaders are ambassadors of Mm -hmm. Toastmasters. Yeah. So any of us can walk into anywhere and just be like, I'm a member of Toastmasters International. If you have nothing else to put forward, I'm a member of Toastmasters.
1: I visited one in Florida. My dad lives in South Florida and this was a number of years ago, but I was like, Hey, let's go to a Toastmasters club. And it was awesome. I think I was a dis I think I was club growth director. So I was a district officer and they made like this big deal about us being there. And so, but I wasn't expecting that. They're like, we have a district officer from district 31 in Massachusetts. It was awesome. That's People amazing. There, I love you know?
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you felt like a rock star. We all should feel like rock
1: stars at some point. And being a club officer allows you to feel like a rock star, right? It does. It does. Well, because then other people kind of, I mean, not that you want to put yourself on a pedestal, but, you know, it puts you in a position to be of service to others. That's the way I see it. If you've been in Toastmasters for a long time and we're, we're all constantly developing and then it becomes, how can I continue developing myself and mentorship and leadership is, I think the way to do that. Absolutely, and we could keep talking about
0: mentorship. We and, totally could. We could keep going for another <laughs> <about> forty-five minutes. <laughs> Two talk to talk about toastmasters, I could talk all day if you let me. know
1: <laughs> I can talk
0: about toastmasters with almost anybody. I can just, you know, they say something and I can tell them how toastmasters can benefit them. So I think that's mm-hmm. really kind of cool how we just did that. In <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again so much for being here with me today i really appreciate it. this has been amazing thanks angela this was fun thank you for listening to talking toastmasters with angela and us please like our facebook page at facebook.com slash talking toastmasters and subscribe at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com slash talking toastmasters Talking Toastmasters is produced and hosted by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions.